Let me tantalize you with this. If you're interested in human development at scale and the intersection of community, business, education, leadership, life, learning, then stay with us. And if you have a curiosity about exploring the principle of wholeness and embodied practices that invite us to show up fully for and with each other, you're in the right place. Hello, hello to you. I'm Robin Stratton Burkessel, host and creator of this show, Positivity Strategist. Welcome. This is our season four, and our topic is an inquiry into appreciative embodying. I'm curious about how we might embody practices of appreciation and positivity from the wholeness of who we are. And as one of my guests put it so well, you don't have a body, you are a body. Today, I'm most honored to introduce Miriam Novotny. From personal experience, I can attest that Miriam's an exceptional human being. To me, she embodies appreciative leading. She's a passionate gardener. She makes fabulous jams with fruits from her garden. And with her wife of 23 years, she's the mother of two sons. Professionally, Miriam is the executive director of the Mosaic Learning Center. And I'll be inviting Miriam to say more about the Mosaic Learning Center as we go through our conversation. Miriam, I'm very honored to be with you today. Welcome to Positivity Strategist. Robin, thank you so much uh, for having me and um, for inviting this conversation. I have to say it's always a joy and a privilege to be in conversation with you. So I'm just excited to kind of see what we um, invite and, and our work that we've done over the past years at Mosaic and just uh, what we can learn together as we kind of explore embodied practices. So thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, naturally, I thought of you when I started to inquire into this topic, Miriam. Um, But as a start, I like to ask my guests to share a personal story. Um, Usually it's a personal story. So I'm inviting you to share something from your upbringing or your past or something that's influenced you to be who you are today and has influenced also the work that you do. Thank you. That's a, um, that's a really wonderful question to reflect on. You know, and I would have to say that, you know, what immediately comes to mind for me is just this experience I had growing up um, and being kind of held in the outdoors uh, and time that I had with um, my mother and her garden, uh, particularly her vegetable garden, and my father uh, on the weekends, these just um, excursions and hikes that we would take into the woods and exploring. And there was something quite um, powerful about that time. And I don't know that I had an appreciation for how influential it would be. But, you know, in particular, I remember kind of hands in the earth uh, looking for potatoes with my mother and this kind of wonderful kind of delight we would experience or I would even experience kind of searching for the potato and this kind of treasure that would be um, lifted once it was discovered and then witnessing her doing that with her grandchildren over the years And I just, you know, I was was thinking recently with a dear friend, we were talking about 
this moment I had in college when this very dear teacher of mine and mentor was speaking to me um, as I was heading out for New York City to go work at Morgan Stanley for the summer. Uh, I was kind of living uh, into a big should of what I thought I should do. And he looked at me and he said, you know, if you could be anywhere, Miriam, where would it be? And I was just so clear. I was like, I want to be uh, in a small community, my hands in the earth, uh, and feel a part of something that's meaningful. And so about, I don't know when it was, maybe six or seven years ago, I was out in my vegetable garden and I kind of had my knees on the ground and hands in the earth and the boys were running by and it just kind of landed um, so fully within me that this dream I had and this kind of desire I had that was articulated in that conversation had actually manifested and come to life. And um, it's really reminded me of like, we just are never really sure when a seed will take root and begin to kind of emerge in a way that's uh, of meaning and, and of, uh, and of service. So I, yeah, for me, I think it's just that place of being in the land and with the land and of the land. Hmm. That's so beautiful. And um, just the lovely metaphor of the seed, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the planting the seed, and you never know what's going to come out of that seed when you use it in terms of your, you know, what you put into your life. And I'm reminded of a lovely line from the documentary that a former National Geographic photographer, Dewitt Jones, made. And the documentary is called Celebrate What's Right with the World. And you probably know that, right? No, oh, yes. It's a beautiful, beautiful film. We've yeah. seen it several times here. Yes, it's quite yeah. lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we use it a lot in our, in our work. And so the line that I'm reminded of from your story, Miriam, is that um, he says something like, when you publish it, in your life, you never know where it will show up. Hmm. Isn't that true? Hmm. It's just so true. And, you know, if we can just kind of create the space and the openness to experiencing it and actually leaning into the possible awareness, hmm. you know, that, that it's actually arisen, you know, like for that moment, six or seven years ago, like I was living it and even unaware, hmm. <laughs> you know, there's something yeah. quite powerful about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it would be helpful if you'd let us know what um, the Mosaic Learning Center is, what it stands for, who you serve, and um, and what you offer there, Miriam. Sure. Yeah. So um, Mosaic Learning Center is uh, both an independent school and consultation practice. Uh, we work with uh, students with neurodevelopmental differences. Um, and have really um, taken a very strength-based orientation in how we um, provide our services, um, both clinical and educational for our students. It's kind of this um, wonderful integrated model um, that is really meant to lift up the best of what is uh, and to allow educational to be this education to be this really transformational experience. Um, so we've been around for about 17 years now, and... Um, you know, just really um, feel very grateful for the opportunity to serve in the way that we are able to and to be a part of this wonderful community in which we live. You know, say more of some of the services that you offer because um, I think it's really just wonderful what you're doing. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, so we, yeah, so our, in our independent schools, uh, um, we 
we provide uh, what we would uh, call, you know, special education and therapeutic services that um, for our students uh, that are unable to kind of find success in the public school setting. Um, and we work very diligently to um, support our students and kind of look at the, the whole picture of their well-being. So not just academic achievement and, um, you know, clinical achievement or, you know, trying to meeting clinical goals, but really like the whole being, mm-hmm. um, you know, from a health, from mental health, from a social emotional health. Uh, and we work very diligently to collaborate as a team internally. So we do very integrated programs um, where we have our behaviorists, our speech and language pathologists, occupational therapists, special educators design these very um, individualized programs for our students that, you know, with the intention of being able to help our students transition back into the public school. Um, yeah, it's really wonderful. And we really you know, what we value most is um, the relationship we have with our students and their families and also the sending schools with whom we work. I mean, these are you know, people in the field of special education and education. You know, there is a tremendous amount of heart and caring and um, desire to do good um, and be a force for good. And so it's a real privilege uh, to work in this field. Yes. And, you know, on this topic of wholeness and embodiment, I think, you know, what you're doing really is manifesting, it takes on a very different level when you are dealing with, um, you know, with the whole system, you know, the, both the mind and the body and the heart and the spirit. Um, and I know that you're focusing on embodied practices to amplify your ability to cultivate this appreciative learning culture. Um, and so um, maybe you could also now talk, Miriam, about um, the skillful leadership um, program that you created. So a little bit of background there and how that's evolving to what you're doing now with, uh, you know, putting these, um, uh, these practices in that focus on full embodiment and, you know, really in- engaging the whole person at the scale of the whole. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, for, so maybe I'll provide a little bit of a historical kind of context for how skillful leadership emerged in our organization. I think for, you know, for um, many years, we had a, kind of, a, I would say, a um, deficit-based orientation, you know, in terms of looking at instead of, you know, the beautiful what's right with the world, what's wrong with the world, kind of like what's the diagnosis, how do we fix it? And we were a fairly um, exhausted living in that continuum of what's wrong, how do we fix it? Um, and that, uh, I think we kind of hit what I would say is our developmental edge as an organization, um, where the practice was really looking at do we have enough Kleenex to address the discomfort in here? Um, and I, I just think we kind of collectively like, what, how can we reorient? And it was when that point that we were really introduced to the practice of appreciative inquiry and began to use it uh, kind of in, in a small team way and then began to slowly grow it through our entire organization as a way to kind of come into discovering and inviting um, a new orientation of, in a, in a um, around the positive core um, that mm-hmm. we talk around in piece of appreciative inquiry. So as we kind of made that shift in that orientation, um, there was a request that came out from, um, we were from one of our um, uh, members of our community here and they said, you know what, we want to learn how to lead. And it was a really, you know, kind of interesting question, you know, in education, we think about teaching, and not necessarily about leading per se. And so it was with that, from that 
point of inquiry and curiosity that we reached out to Sandra Wells, who had been doing some consultation with our organization and said, hey, you know, would you be willing to come in and design a curriculum for us or a learning practice for us around leadership? And um, and she dove in, you know, fully and created this really um, what has now been in our organization for four years a very profound practice um, that is designed to um, be experimental, um, be hands-on, very repetitious, um, and invites us to kind of come into learning both at an individual level and at an organizational level. And it's, you know, education is, is really at the end, it's about learning. And we kind of had this kind of aha of like, well, not only are we inviting our students to learn, um, but how are we inviting our, um, our staff to learn and to grow? Mm. And there's a really interesting um, research that kind of looked at organizations and, um, and this desire for people to have a sense of meaning and belonging. Mm. And, and the research came out, it was at least identified in the uh, book that Keegan, Robert Keegan and uh, Lisa Leahy wrote called An Everyone Culture. The fact that th- is this, that the single biggest cause of work burnout is not overload, but working too long without experiencing your own personal development, mm. which is quite, quite something. And so if we are going to, you know, so we, so we thought about this in the context of how are we showing up as what we want to be is like this appreciative learning organization that has what we would say four essential elements. So uh, to, that keeps our ability to learn alive. So they are, the four elements are awareness, valuing, appreciating, you might say, mm-hmm. curiosity, mm-hmm. and query, the one and the same, and then relationship. Mm-hmm. So how do we invest um, this, um, our, and, or not invest or even guide our attention and intention around elevating these practices in a way that allows both our organization and the individuals within the organization to reach their potential? I will say that we have experienced a tremendous amount of transformation over these past seven years. We used to be have one of the highest unemployment rates that you could have in the state. We now have the lowest. Mm-hmm. When people are transitioning out of our organization, they are actually um, you know, going on because they're furthering their, um, you know, majority of them are furthering their um, own learning, their professional development, going on to get master's. Um, or, you know, moving into a different part of the country. But, you know, it's this really, there's something that happens when we begin to guide our um, focus on practice and learning and community. Because learning in isolation is meaningful to a point, right? But it's, there's something about when you can join in conversation and step into um, a collective that really begins to amplify the experience. And that's what skillful leadership has done for us. And it's not something you just intellectualize, you know, conceptualize. It's something that really, once we begin, and we'll talk about these practices, begin to hold internally and physically that we begin to see a whole new gateway of possibility, you know, enter into a new gateway of possibility. Mm. The inquiry that came initially for leadership, that came from your team members? Yeah, it did. yes, it did. It came from actually one of our instructors, actually, two of our instructors, actually. And they were like, we want to learn how to lead. 
And, and, and it was, it was fabulous, right? I mean, just that, that element, just what appreciative inquiry, like even allowed that question to emerge was quite profound. Yeah. Yeah. And you wrote a lovely piece with Sandy Wells that um, I'll put a link to that. um, If I may, Miriam, on the show notes page that I write up. And just a reminder to those people listening, any of the resource, any of the, um, the references that Miriam makes, we'll put links there so that you can actually dive in a little more deeply um, if you're interested to find out more. So moving along from that, so this, this learning and community, um, where do your, do your students get engaged in this as well? I mean, what's the extent of the community? So this is our, um, so this is one of our, we're so excited this year. We've actually, um, one of our uh, clinicians um, has actually designed a social emotional learning curriculum that is meant to parallel our um, skillful leadership, leadership and living curriculum. So th- the way that both curriculums work is we release a module a month. Um, and, uh, the students are engaging. So we'll take this most recent month as the first module for the year is around awareness mm-hmm. and our students, um, are engaging with this, um, curriculum in a way that's, um, meets their needs. So it's, a, it's adapted for their ability. We have both verbal and nonverbal learners. So, um, we scale our curriculum for them in a way that's meaningful. And then we're simultaneously as a whole organization, diving into a module that Sandy has written around awareness. And it's just this, you know, it's this place of like, you know, we're more alike than we are different. Mm -hmm. And it's quite exciting to kind of think that we're in community learning together about something that can have such a profound impact. Mm. Yeah, that's great. I have a couple of prompts that I want to share here because they come from previous conversations and I really want to have the opportunity to develop those thoughts with you, Miriam. So, for example, one of our earlier conversations, you mentioned that you were discovering or experiencing that people were feeling fearful of not going to an appreciative place. And you found that you were, you know, how do we deal with this if people don't want to speak up because it might be perceived as not appreciative? So where did you, you know, how were you dealing with that? Yeah, that's like, you know, I, this has been such an interesting journey, right? So to have this uh, orientation around what people, you know, around what's positive, the positive core. And people felt like that it was exclusive of talking about the areas of discomfort and the areas of challenge. Like, well, we can't talk about that because we're appreciative Mm -hmm. and only looking at what's going right. And so it really um, required us to kind of step back and articulate you know, a very um, kind of different way of understanding what it meant to value and appreciate what is happening regardless of comfort or discomfort. So there's a phrase that we use here that came out of skillful leadership. It's like, what am I learning now that I could not learn in any other way? Mm-hmm. And so whether it is a moment of celebration or one of challenge, can we enter into it with a level of awareness and spaciousness and, and begin to see that there's some, something of value to be, to be learned. And you and I began, I think we have this conversation to look at this idea of wholeness. Mm-hmm. And wholeness really is the full continuum of the light and the dark. And we are, we're often in the space in between. 
very rarely are we fully into the one or the other, but we're often in this kind of wonderful place of motion and movement between the two. And so um, this idea of change at the scale of the whole, you know, when I was initially introduced to it, it was like, you know, inviting the whole system in. Mm-hmm. And now we're looking at like, you know, how do we invite the fullness of our being in the light and the dark and the shades of gray uh, in a way that makes people feel held and seen and appreciated. Mm-hmm. And I think that has been a real game kind of, uh, you know, a way, a, a, actually a game changer for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll, yeah, I think it's been, it's been very different. And, and this idea of wholeness, Robin, and I'm curious what you think about this and you started to allude to it, but, you know, when we think about our whole being and leading, you know, with the fullness of our being, it's both our mind and our heart, um, our, our bodies, um, and our spirit mm-hmm. and that wholeness is like, how do we continue to invite people to come up and show up fully? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm very curious about this because students I teach, they, when they first learning about positive psychology and appreciative practices and f- principles and so on, it's like they're fearful of saying something that isn't appreciative or isn't positive and don't know how to deal with that. And so it just lends itself to this conversation about, well, you know, we are whole, we do have um, joy and we do have sorrow and we do suffer and we do experience delight. So it is this full fullness of who we are and that speaks to our wholeness. But starting with that self-awareness of I am whole and how do I really tune in and feel and value my own wholeness I think is one of the most special things that we can um you know we can draw attention to and become aware of oh I mean absolutely I mean I think there is this place so we you know it's just top of mind because we're simply in the practice right now I'm really leaning into this place of awareness so we you know one of the things that we talk about um is, you know, how we begin to use our breath as a way to kind of direct our attention um, to what we are experiencing internally and to then eventually open up to what is happening around us simultaneously. And we, you know, Pema Chodron, I think, you know, said it most beautifully um, is this, you know, how do we create the gap Mm -hmm. that allows us to kind of step into a place of awareness and being present And the one thing that we have with us consistently is our breath. And so simply taking three deep breaths can bring us back into a space of um, being present and kind of coming home to what is within us and simply noticing. And though it seems like uh, such a simple um, skill, it is one that takes a tremendous amount of practice. And so that, and here within the mosaic, that language of, I mean, I've had and listened to either I say, look, I need to create a gap here and step away. Other staff members, you know, in a moment where there's a lot of, um, of energy taking a breath saying, I need to create a gap. And it's quite profound when you think that you're infusing breath into this organization, right? You know, into the individual and the organization simultaneously mm. is quite profound. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Gosh, you're, you're creating breath. <laughs> that's, 
that's life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, right. And you think how we go back, like, it's like, it's right. It happens without us even knowing so it's like unconsciously, but then, you know, what happens when we begin to consciously pay attention mm-hmm. to our breathing? Mm. Yeah. So I know that you have a number of um, practices now. So uh, would you like to lead us through some of your embodying practices that your that you and the staff or, or your your team members are experiencing to to um, strengthen this culture and to focus on you know what is to be valued and what you're learning and creating these gaps and being very gentle with each other. So um, yeah, over to you again, Miriam. What what are some of the practices that you're you're experiencing and what are you noticing? Yeah, sure. I, you know, there's, so we kind of look at, you know, the idea of the body as this kind of gateway into what we're feeling. And so if we really begin to see the body as this, you know, um, this kind of gateway, um, then we can begin to understand how we might um, use it as a way to elevate our awareness. Mm. So before we can even think about creating the gap, you know, we need to even pay, be aware that we're even in a reactive state. So part of what we're trying to do in the organization is like, look at how do we shift from a place of reactivity, you know, um, and into a place of resourcefulness um, that can lead to a greater sense of creativity and ability to kind of you know, to be resourceful. Mm-hmm. So the body is this kind of, you know, this place of, of like, if when we start to learn to tune into it, that we can kind of wake up and go, oh my goodness, I'm perhaps in a really um, reactive state. So there's this one thing that we do that kind of came out, Sandy taught it to us, it came from the Hendrix um, Institute. And it, it looks, it's called, um, you know, looking at fear melters, like how do we move from a place of fear into flow? Mm. Um, because fear often keeps us from being able to even discern a path from getting, you know, to get out of whatever we're experiencing. Right. So, um, so we have done for many years and I I love because Stafford, you know, bring it up quite a bit and we use it quite a bit, what they call the fear melters. So there's this idea that we kind of embody fear and, and what they're seeing typically in four different ways. So fear can either look in our body like you're in kind of a fight mode. And if you can kind of go with me and visually that you're kind of almost looking like a boxer, you know, you're tight, your fists are up, you know, you look kind of angry. That's one presentation of fear. There's a fear that's kind of fleeing um, where you can imagine, um, you know, that your shoulder is kind of leaning away from the situation. Maybe you have a foot that's kind of going out the door, um, but you're just really trying to get, get away. Um, the third way that we look at fear and the Hess Hendricks Institute has presented it is there's this place of freezing, mm. you know, when your whole body tightens and, um, you can hardly breathe. And then that last one is that fainting fear where you kind of look at, um, your energy is almost draining away from your body. So we, you know, we embody those. We actually step into each of those physically. I mean, as a whole organization, we've done this, you know, like looking and experiencing these types of different fear. And then we look at how we can use uh, just the ability to move and shift Mm. to come out of these different types of of fear. So for fight, you know, um, people will begin, you can kind of ooze. So you're getting out of that boxing mode and you're actually physically 
kind of like coming into a noodle and just letting that energy move. <laughs> um, and the flea one is, you know, people you can kind of, you know, if you, instead of like trying to get away, you actually get into what we would call like a sumo wrestler position. Mm-hmm. You're getting down into your legs and you're feeling the earth. It's this idea of like grounding, mm-hmm. but you're feeling motion, right? There's something physically, you're moving energy and doing this freezing, you're wiggling your fingers and um, trying to thaw out that freezing experience or the fainting, you're actually, instead you start to scoop um, and bring energy, like like what we call these scoops back towards your chest with your hand that kind of ha- invite you to kind of come back home. Mm. And so these are, you know, so we've practiced this and, you know, we return to this and, you know, I've had employees, one, one gentleman who's um, been here for several years talked about how he will, he knows his tendency is to get into uh, a flea mode. Mm-hmm. So um, before going into um, this particularly big moment for him, he actually did some sumo wrestler body positions to find, to help himself get grounded, mm-hmm. just to shift out of his mind. You know, we often think that we can cognitively shift out of something, yeah. but we, we can't. It's very hard. Um, and then or our team, we had a very challenging meeting in front of us. And the whole team, before going into this meeting, said, hey, can we do the fear, mel- the fear melters Just to, kind <laughs> of, to kind of, you know, shift our energy? And what was so beautiful is following the meeting, those that were from an outside agency just said, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. y'all were so present mm-hmm. and spacious so you can talk your way and I apologize for talking so much all the way through it, but if you can begin to embody it and move it, it's far more profound. Oh, that is so fabulous. I mean, that is so helpful. I think that just, you know, we can do that. And it's almost like you're anchoring a different state um, before you do something. Uh, I think they're great examples. So helpful. You got another example? Well, yeah, I mean, we, we, we do. Yeah, we have a lot of fun here. I mean, we do. Um, there's this one thing, and, and it's very funny. I guess that's the other thing. It's like when you begin to hear laughter in in an organization, then you and you know there's something very joyful because look, we're always practicing, we're always kind of making mistakes, and you know, it's I can't think of any other group I'd rather fall down in front of and get back up because there's so much joy. So there's this place that we talk about. Um, you know, seeking an answer versus inviting an answer. Like this belief that, yes, there is a, there's something inherently positive and good in our midst. Um, but, you know, when, when we kind of come at it with the idea of, um, like, the think of the hand gesture as pointing. So if you could see me, I, my hand is like finger, index finger is pointing towards you, towards the screen saying, you know, Robin, I know you, that there's something good here. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if you could experience that versus a different hand gesture, which is one in which I, my hand is now facing upward. My palm is up and I'm extending a full hand and mm-hmm. I and I'm saying, um, Robin, I think there's something here worth exploring. Yeah, it becomes invitational. So the mm-hmm. simply embodying the difference between seeking and inviting um, it gives a very different visual. People talk, our staff have talked about like visually, their eyes mm-hmm. are more narrow when they're seeking. And when they're inviting, they actually sense a more open and spacious view. Mm-hmm. So that's a really, just a, a very small and subtle one and highly impactful. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just the gestures that we're using 
I think this is awesome because you're right, you know, and I confess I live in my head, you know, I've, I've been living in my head for a long time. (laughs) This idea of allowing my, you know, really trusting and paying attention and cultivating certain practices so I can, I can be different in relationships and with myself. So I think this is what you're showing us. Yeah, I think it's like it's just this way of kind of tipping us into a different experience, you know, and I think that often we've been kind of taught that the, you know, our spirit and body are different or separate and that we kind of don't see them holistically as one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talk about integrity quite a bit here through skillful leadership and, you know, not only from the place of honesty and truth, but this place of wholeness. And when we think about wholeness, like the integrity of a bridge, the strength of a bridge, it's really when we, you know, invite all of the whole of our being to be integrated in a way that is both valued and in a way in which we can be deeply curious. Mm. Um, And it's, you know, so it's, it's, it's a very, um, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's an exciting way to kind of be, you know, and as I was driving in thinking about our conversation today, and I, I wanted to kind of play with this with you, you know, I did like too many years of Latin, seven years of Latin. So I have a strong leaning or propensity towards etymology, but it started thinking about the, you know, corporation mm-hmm. and, and, and the word corpus mm-hmm. and the idea of organization and organ and this kind of, you know, if we think about it, that organizations are bodies mm-hmm. that are organized and, and corporations are persons that are united in body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I did seven years of Latin too. So I relate to what you're <laughs> There's so many reasons I love you and yet another has emerged. <laughs> yes. I love to think about those derivations and where they came from. Mm-hmm. And yes, you know, we think about organizations as living systems, um, because of the, the virtue of the, the people who make them up and who design them. <laughs> and we can design for much more generous, caring, loving systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's what I'm hearing and what I have um, awareness of that you're doing at Mosaic Learning Centre. And it couldn't be a, a better place to do it because the focus is on learning and development. Um, you know, it's development and Miriam, there's another quote that um, I took down from notes that um, from our previous conversations, and you said something like this: that love and the embodying embodying of that led to your inquiry into how positive emotions are embodied and what they do for the body. And how are you seeing those positive emotions showing up? Mm. I'd say like, you know, immediately my mind goes to um, just hearing the laughter in the building, you know, one that is an inclusive, joyful laughter in the building. Um, And this place of people being seen and valued. And, you know, love is such an interesting word. It's not something we talk about much at work. And yet, Um, there's nothing more powerful or transformative than this place of being loved and cared for. So outside of like, you know, how we've been taught about love and kind of 
you know, Socrates and Plato and all of that, but more of this like space of spiritual love of, of like, you know, honoring, Mm. um, the person that is standing next to you or in front of you, um, in that place of feeling seen. I, you know, we talk about listening, you know, and there's this place of when we know people are listening, but there's this other experience we have when people feel that they're being listening through their heart Mm -hmm. and, um, and that place of connection. And there was where you're not only honoring, but you're dignifying Mm -hmm. the person that's there in front of you. And I, you know, Robin, I just, I've always been, you know, Brene Brown's this question about belonging and vulnerability, I think is quite profound and important. Um, and this place of like providing a place that feels a bit like home. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about like, can people come home to themselves? Can they sense a, a, a bit of being at home here? And I have to say, I was so moved in our in-service there were some staff members talking and they were laughing. They were with their families on vacation. They're like, oh, no, I, I can't wait to go back to work. And they're like, seriously? And they're <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, it's like kind of coming home. Mm-hmm. And um, that, you know, and I hear people leaving at the end of the day, love you, you know, <laughs> you know spontaneous. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, the impetus and the impact that you're having with the work that you're doing and just coming back to your initial story about planting the seeds and seeing things grow and, you know, really um, um, throwing your body into the work and into nature and coming back to nature. Cause I think nature is one of, it's really allows us to ground ourselves. You know, if we can really embrace what nature has to offer us. Ah, mm. So I want to thank you. Thank <laughs> you for being my guest today. Robin, thank you, uh, you know, just for being such a loving and generous and generative presence in our community and for your just um, boundless curiosity uh, and such a gracious way of showing up in the world and allowing others to show up. I can't thank you enough for that. Hmm. I accept it with gratitude. I so valued that serene and uplifting conversation with Miriam Novotny, and I expect you did also. In the next episode, my guest shares how she's aligning mind, body, emotion, and spirit in her leadership programs. And if you're finding this show of value to you, you might like to pass it forward or pay it forward by forwarding it to others who might also benefit. And if you haven't already, why don't you subscribe to be notified when new shows are published? And you can do that if you just go to positivitystrategist.com slash podcast. Or you might be listening on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Overcast, and about 22 others. I really appreciate you.